Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Psalms chapter 8, beginning with verse 3. Most of us know that David was a shepherd, and he would often lay on his back at night as he was keeping watch over the sheep. And in those evenings, he'd find himself getting caught up into what was happening beyond the stars. And in verse 3, he picks up with what was going on in his mind. He says, when I consider, when's the last time you escaped the tyranny of the urgent and took some time to slow down and really take it all in? You know, life can often move at such a fast pace that it passes us by before we really get a chance to enjoy it. But David, in this season of his life, he would take out special time to reflect and meditate on his God. Scripture says, when I consider your heavens. Now, by this time, David had probably already been anointed king by Samuel. And most of us would look at, you know, his shepherding and tending to the sheep as a complete waste of time for a man that was called to, to ruin, uh, I'm sorry, to rule uh, the country there. But it's moments like these that God uses to build the confidence that we need later on in our journey. You know, sometimes we're so in a rush to get to where we're going, we miss the lessons we need to learn on the way. And it was a nice like this that David laid under the stars and he got the confidence to, to take on the lion and the bear. And later he, he would take on even Goliath. I want you to listen to the words of Abraham Lincoln. He said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. You see, I'd rather spend a little time getting prepared than having to work even harder and longer trying to fix what I broke because I was in such a rush. Sometimes we need to just slow down and consider our course. David said, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, now, David could have been at home saying, well, you know what? I ought to be king by now. You know, I'm quite talented. Saul is in my way. And, and after all, when, when Samuel came over, daddy didn't invite me as fast as the other boys. And, and my, my, my older brothers are picking on me and, and all the rest. And, and instead of him focusing on his problems and disappointments in life, he actually spent his time thinking about God. Imagine what we might learn if we would just spend 20 minutes a day not talking about or thinking about what's wrong in our lives, but simply meditating on and thinking about and, and praising God for his goodness in our lives. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Scientists say that over a million earths can fit into the average size star. 
You know, the sun is, an, is basically an average to small size star. But scripture says here that as massive as the moon and the stars happen to be, none of them, not one star, not even the massive, massive supernovas required both God's hands. According to scripture, those great, great, great masses of burning light just took his fingers and he put each in place. This is the God I serve, we serve. And after thinking about all this, David, he couldn't help but reflect, man, as big as you are, God, as powerful as you are, as much as you've done and as great as, as the universe is, he started thinking, Lord, how little I must be in comparison to you. And sometimes our problems, we make our lives, our stuff, our disappointments so big, and we shrink God to the size of our disappointment. But David refused to do it. In this starlit night, he poses a question that all of us will probably pose at some point in our life. He said, man, after thinking about all this, man, I can't count the stars. Look at those planets. Every night it's just a little bit different. He said, what is man? After thinking about you, Lord, what am I really in light of you? I mean, a car drives, a boat floats, an airplane flies. But what is the significance of man? God, what is it that you've placed in the human heart that causes you to give us so much attention? David was probably not more than five foot tall. But somehow he had captured the heart of the creator of the ends of the earth and the entire universe. And in this, he didn't become proud. It took his breath away and he began to marvel and said, what is man, oh God, that you are mindful? This is, this is amazing. He was saying, God, as vast as your creative intelligence is, as deep as your genius is. We run out of words to describe the intellect of God. It's inscrutable. It's unsearchable. God, as vast as all of that is, the Bible says the mind of God is actually full of something. Imagine filling something that big. Let's discover what the Bible says God is full of. What is man? That you are mindful of him. You know when you pump gas in your tank and when it gets full, it clicks? David was saying that the inscrutable, unsearchable mind of God literally clicks with thoughts about you and me. As big as God's mind is, when it comes to thoughts about you and I, there's absolutely no room for any more. 
it would overwhelm you to understand the magnitude of the thought process about every detail, every iota, every minor. The Bible actually says his thoughts about us are more numerous than the sand on the sea. It's beyond our ability to comprehend how much the God we just lifted our hands to, the God we just worshiped through giving the God, the God we just sang to, loves us and thinks about us. So David, he's overwhelmed and man, it's almost taking his breath away. And I can imagine him trying to breathe as he speaks. He says, God, what is man that you are mindful of him and, and the son of man that you would visit him? I know people tend to go places that they think about. And likewise, we visit people that are most on our minds. And this is the very reason why God can't help but show up in your life and my life. Because we are always on his mind and God always goes to where he's thinking. We're created in his image and likeness. So every day in my life, somehow he shows up again. Why? Not because I'm great, but because I'm on his mind. And God can't help showing up in places that stay on his mind. And he doesn't stop there. That ought to have been enough. But he's, he's just at awe at what God had created in him. He said, for you have made him just a little lower than the angels. The literal word there in the Hebrew is Elohim or Elohim. And everywhere else in the Bible, the term is translated God. But David had to use this word to answer the question, what is man? So if you ever ask the question, who am I? David is trying to answer it. And you have, if you have faith enough to believe it today, his answer can absolutely transform and change your life. Let's read it again. For you have made him a little lower than angels. Not lower than your circumstances. Not a little bit lower than your bank account. Not just a little bit lower than, 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 than your past. But a little bit lower than angel. You see, it's not what you are that's holding you back. But what you think you are that's holding you back. Here's one of my favorite quotes by Carter G. Woodson. He says this. He said, if you can control a man's thinking, you don't have to worry about his actions. If you can determine what a man thinks, you don't have to worry about what he's going to do. If you can make a man think that he's inferior, you don't have to compel him to seek an inferior status. He will do so without being told. And if you can make him believe that he's justly an outcast, you don't have to order him to the back door. He will go to the back door on his own. And if there is no back door, the very nature of the man will demand that you build one. Sometimes the problem is not what others think about you, but what you think about yourself. That's the real issue in our lives. And David's trying to correct it right now. 
He's trying to change our thinking if you let him. If you think you're nothing, guess what? You're going to act like nothing. If, if you think you can't, guess what? You probably won't. What you think about yourself is what you make of yourself. Somehow our self-image has a way of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. And for that reason, God wrote these words down through David so we could look back at what he said to him and, and, and understand the truth about our true nature and what God has ultimately called us to. Psalms 8 and 5. For you, O God, have made him just a little bit lower. It's almost too hard to believe. Because I know some people, they're not, they, they not in close to some, nobody's angel. But the, I mean, it's hard. For you have made him just a little lower than the angels. I mean, let's really think about this for the moment. For a moment. Did, did you realize what the scripture just said? In 2 Kings 6 and 17, you don't have to turn there. But the Bible records an incident. And the, the prophet Elijah was uh, a little bit frightened and intimidated. But God pulled back the veil on life and showed him angels blazing as chariots of fire. And it infused the prophet with confidence that he was able to stand under in, intense and, and very difficult situations. But, but these angels were actually warring angels with their own chariots burning like fire. But the Bible said we were created just a little bit beneath creatures this great in the same book chapter 9 verse 35 it was just one of these angels just one that defeated 185,000 soldiers in Matthew 28 and 2 it was just one angel that moved a several ton stone that hid the resurrection of Jesus from our view. In Matthew 5 and 19, just one angel broke all 12 apostles out of prison. In Acts 12 and 23, just one angel struck down a king. In Acts 27 and 23, just one angel protected Paul and 276 passengers that were in the midst of a storm and got involved in a shipwreck. And then in Revelation 7 and 1, just one angel holds back, the Bible says, the four winds of the entire planet Earth. I mean, we could go on and on and on about this, but I think you get the point. The Bible says that we were created just a little bit lower than these creatures. The Bible teaches that though we're frail, we are somehow fantastic, created to live just a little bit lower. And God of the angelic hosts. So here's the question. If this is true, and we're created to live just a little bit lower than angels, why are so many in this room living like the devil? <laughs> just look straight forward. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person next to you. You see, when we know better, we'll do better. You think you were born that way. You think you were made that way. So you feel it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But when you discover who you really are, 
When you discover what God has really hid on the inside of you, you won't act the way you used to act. There'll be a change because you, you, you understand that, that you, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You were created to declare the glories of the living God. If this wasn't enough, and at this point, if I was David, I want to back up because that was just too much to say. But he doesn't stop. He says, and you have crowned him or made him a ruler. You see, none of us in this room were created to be ruled by the worry, the anxiety, the depression, the, 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 the fear, and the lust, and, and the rage, the unforgiveness that we allow to live in our hearts. All of these emotions, God gave us authority over. But when we get a little further, in order for us to benefit from that authority, we have to, to use it. It says, and you crowned him with glory and what? Honor. These are, these are high words. Scripture is teaching us that we're in a class just a little bit lower than the divine. Endued with faculties and capabilities and capacities that, that are absolutely remarkable in their scope. I mean, we are speaking spirits that can think and choose and, and build airplanes, go to the moon and bless. We're able to love and we're able to hate. We're remarkable in everything we do. But here's the deal. When you finally discover your who, changing your do becomes simple. The problem is many of us are trying to change the things we do without changing our image of who. You see, David acted like a king before he was ever a king. He saw himself while he was a shepherd crowned with glory and honor. So when the crown was finally put on his head, it was only incidental because he already saw it. And the deal is you got to see it in you before it manifests or, or, or don't, don't expect some circumstance or something in your life to make you. You, you got to see it on the inside before it happens. And often the reason it happens on the outside is because it first happened on the inside. But we see while David was out there with those sheep, he saw himself crowned with glory and honor. And then he continues, man, he just keeps, keeps building upon this thing. He said, you have made him or humanity to have dominion over the works of your hands. According to my Bible, you weren't created to be dominated by anything, by any drug, any addiction, any issue, any problem, not even a person. Instead of you being dominated, God created you to dominate. Not people. I'm not talking about people. But how many of you have a most, don't raise your hands, out of control? I just can't let go. I just can't release. I can't forgive. I can't love. I'm just so angry. You're out of control. But when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, the last thing is temperance or self-control. Jesus came to give us back rulership in our lives. He came that we would no longer be dominated by stuff, circumstances, things people do or have done in our lives. But instead, for us to dominate those things with righteous attitudes and mindsets. Did I lose you there? 
you know, in spite of what somebody's statistics may say about me, God built you and I to win. I was designed to win. You were designed to win. He didn't create you to lose. He, he didn't create you to be on the bottom. According to scripture, he created you to be on the top. Let's keep reading lest you see I'm injecting my, or think I'm injecting my opinion. He says, you have put all things, say it with me, under my feet. Can you say it with me, under my feet? And then he outlines all the things that are under our feet. And he begins with sheep. He says, all what? Sheep. How many know sheep are some of the most timid animals on the planet? God wants you and I to know that we are able to put every fear under our feet if we discover who we really are in him. He said, all sheep. Then he goes on and says, and all oxen. He's speaking of bulls. How many of you have some bull in your life? Some, some, just a little bit of bull in your life. Well, Jesus gives you authority to put it under your feet. Would you say with me, under your feet? As a matter of fact, say, under my feet. Under my feet. Under my foot. Even the beasts of the field. How many in this room are dealing with a beast of a circumstance? A beast of a problem. A beast of a situation, whether it's on the ho- in the home or, or on the job. But scripture says we're to address it in one way, under my feet. We got bulls under our feet. We got timidity under our feet. But now we got beast-like problems under our feet. What are they doing on top of you? What are they doing weighing on you the way they're weighing on you? According to scripture, you need to put your foot down. According to scripture, you need to start walking on something, stepping on something, going through something, getting on top of some things. But this won't happen till you get the right attitude. The devil is a bully. He is a mean devil. And he's good at what he does. He's an opportunist. You see, he won't get out of your way because he feels sorry for you. The only way he will get out of your way is if you put your foot down. If you grew up in a school like I grew up in, it tended to be the most timid children that always got the butt whippings. I, I, I didn't say it right in the first place. I didn't say it right here. But you see... You say, it's not fair, and, and it's not fair, it's wrong, never pick on another kid, it's wrong, okay, okay. But you, you could think, if you're the kid taking all that, it's not fair that they're picking on me, why are they always picking on me? Here's the deal. You didn't fight back. You can't take what I'm saying today to the public school system, your kid would be kicked out. <laughs> I'm talking about when I was a kid, okay? You see, even if the bully whips you, if he knows you're going to put up a fight... 
If he knows that if he comes for you, he's going to do a little something. You understand what I'm saying? Bullies are not only opportunists, they're lazy. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.